0: Xbox has announced that their new cloud streaming service, formerly known as xCloud, which is now going to be a part of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. So for $15 a month, you get a library of over 100 games. And a new feature is that you can stream these games. You can stream them to a smartphone, to a tablet, to a computer, and play these games when you're away from your physical Xbox. Now, Microsoft just announced the other day the feature is leaving beta. It's going to be going live on Android only when it comes to mobile because of Apple's app store rules. Now, I'm assuming you've heard about this.
1: Yes, I actually just wrapped up some videos talking about this, but and they're exclusively launching with Samsung, correct, for the Note 20 launch.
0: It's not so it's not an exclusive launch. It's going to be on all Androids. All Android devices, but there's a partnership where I think it's going to either be pre-installed on the Note 20 or it's going to have some sort of uh, extra optimization or something like that. Welcome to Geared Up brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards. Geared Up is your weekly look at the world of consumer electronics and gadgets. And this week, John Rettinger is off enjoying some time away From the creative hamster wheel But I'm not riding solo in this episode I've actually got what may in fact be The greatest co-host in the history of podcasting Or at least the greatest temporary (laughs) co-host In the history of podcasting Mr. Dan Barbera from Mac Rumors How are you doing today?
1: I'm good man, that's quite the intro Every time I come on you always make an outlandish claim about me and... (laughs) my podcasting abilities. And it just makes me super nervous for how the episode is going to turn out. (laughs) Of course, course it makes you nervous. I had to throw that in there. We
0: call him Nervous (laughs) Dan. Hashtag Nervous Dan has arrived. I
1: had to throw that in there for Kevin.
0: Yes. I want to pump up. I want to pump up the guests. I want people to feel like, hey, I'm appreciated here. I'm ready to contribute rather than the substandard intros that you might get on other podcasts. (laughs) It
1: works. I'm pumped up. Let's go. Let's do it.
0: So the first story I want to talk about today has been something that's been frustrating me for the past, I don't know if it's been 24, between 24 and 48 hours. And by the way, as I mentioned, Dan is from Mac Rumors. So one of the largest tech websites on the internet that deals with Apple news and rumors and everything regarding Apple and even competitors. And this is a story that definitely has to do with Apple. And usually I can find the positive in any negative story, whether it's about Apple or otherwise, I can see both sides, but this one is really hard for me to play devil's advocate with. Xbox has announced that their new cloud streaming service, formerly known as xCloud, which is now going to be a part of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. So for $15 a month, you get a library of over 100 games, And a new feature is that you can stream these games. You can stream them to a smartphone, to a tablet, to a computer, and play these games when you're away from your physical Xbox. Now, Microsoft just announced the other day the feature is leaving beta. It's going to be going live on Android only when it comes to mobile because of Apple's App Store rules. Now, I'm assuming you've heard about this.
1: Yes, I actually just wrapped up some videos talking about this but and they're exclusively launching with samsung correct for the note 20 launch
0: it's not so it's not an exclusive launch it's going to be on all androids all android devices but there's a partnership right where i think it's going to either be pre-installed on the note 20 or it's going to have some sort of uh, extra optimization or something
1: like that. okay i guess from the takeaway from the unpacked event i was under the impression that They were getting it first and then Android, like the rest of Android devices would get it afterwards. But either way, this whole thing doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I think we've talked about it before and there's a lot of people who are like, if you read all the comments about this story, it's, oh, Apple's just doing this to help out Apple Arcade. They don't want it, you know, stepping on Apple Arcade's toes. Project X Cloud seems like a completely different beast an animal compared oh, absolutely. to. It, it doesn't make any sense. That would not be the reason why yeah. they would hamper. It, or at least I don't think so. No offense to Apple Arcade, but there's not a single game on there that I want to rush to pay <laughs> $10 a month for. But if you're telling me that in the future I can play Warzone on my iPad on the go because of Project X Cloud, you know, that's you're playing triple A titles. You just can't do that on Apple Arcade. So that whole right. argument doesn't make sense. So I'm I'm not really sure what Apple's deal is here. I know they say they need to review the games and they can't do every single game on the app, but how else do they do any other streaming service? So th- do they watch all 5000 Netflix titles?
0: Right. Right. And so that's the thing. So let me read you, let me read you what Apple had to say about this our customers enjoy great apps and games from millions of developers and gaming services can absolutely launch on the app store as long as they follow the same set of guidelines applicable to all developers, including submitting games individually for review and appearing in charts and search. In addition to the app store, developers can choose to reach all iPhone and iPad users over the web through Safari and other browsers on the app store. So that's Apple's claim. Now, first of all, you're not going to be using Safari <laughs> to, access, <laughs> to access Xbox no. Game Pass. <laughs> Absolutely but, So here's where they're being consistent. And this does not mean that I agree with them. There are other game services on the App Store that compete with Apple Arcade.
1: Shout out Game Club. That Apple has.
0: Yes. Game Club, right? I think it's called Game Club. I think that's what
1: it's called. My friend who used to work with us at MacRumors, he Mm -hmm. now works for them. Okay. And so I should know the name of it. I'm pretty sure it's Game Club, right? (laughs) I think that's what it is. So
0: basically, this is a service that has taken a lot of the older, original App Store games that have since, like the developers kind of abandoned them they've picked those games back up, re-engineered them, recoded them for modern phones. And so now you can play what are considered retro iOS games that would no longer run on current hardware. You can play those now as part of a subscription. They submit those games individually to the app store, which Apple is saying this is what you need to do. Apple Arcade, same thing. A lot of people said when Apple Arcade launched, why isn't this just an app? I just want an Apple Arcade app that I can go into and then pick what I want to play. Well, Apple is actually being consistent with their own rules saying each game has to be submitted as its own app. You need to be able to search for the game in the app store rather than just the service. So I just don't see something like Microsoft submitting Halo and then submit, like submitting Gears of War and like submitting all these. Yeah. So here's the thing number one, these titles are let's just say 50 to 80 gigabytes each. So if you buy a 64 gigabyte iPhone, enjoy not being able to download any of these games. That's number one. <laughs> right. But number two, these are streaming titles. This is streaming. So you're not downloading an app, you're not downloading a game. You are, stre- so the game is being played on an Xbox remotely. Mm -hmm. And you are basically just being fed a video stream of the game being played. And as you're controlling the game, you're sending signals back to Microsoft server. So this is in a way kind of like, let's say you start a video on Netflix and then you hit pause and you hit rewind and you hit fast forward and you hit pause again and you hit play a video is being streamed to you and then you're sending controls to start and stop the video stream. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously this is interactive. It's not just a one way piece of entertainment, but you're not going to be able to download any of these. And Microsoft is not trying to make these available for download. It's a streaming service. And this quite honestly, at least in my opinion, is a big part of the future of gaming. It's a big part of the future of gaming. So imagine if and again, I understand these are two different types of mediums, but imagine if when the app store first launched and Netflix released their app, Apple denied it saying you need to make each movie individually downloadable, each right. TV show individually downloadable. You can't just have a streaming service because back then people were used to getting DVDs and renting a single movies. So this is how it is today. Well, you're ignoring the future of this technology. And With Android getting game streaming, both on Stadia, which has also been uh, denied by Apple on iOS, with Xbox, and also with Facebook, by the way. Facebook just came out today with an app called Facebook Gaming. And Facebook Gaming on Android allows you to watch other people gaming in a Twitch-like manner, but also lets you play games yourself from a library of games. On iOS... You can only watch other people. You cannot play the game. And so Facebook said, unfortunately, we had to remove gameplay functionality entirely in order to get Apple's approval on the standalone Facebook gaming app. Meaning iOS users have an inferior experience to those using Android. I'm upset about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, I get it; it makes sense because of it's their rules. But it doesn't make any sense that they're not adapting to this. And yes. It doesn't make any sense that it's strictly for gaming, like we just talked about, and that it doesn't apply mm-hmm. to literally any other stream. You know, if YouTube, God forbid, we had to do the same thing with YouTube. Like, <laughs> right. if you don't have time to do the the hundred titles that they're doing for Game Pass, you're definitely not going to have time to watch every single YouTube video to review and submit. It's just not Absolutely. possible. So I, I mean, they need to adapt for this. It doesn't make any sense. And it was Game Club, by the way. We were right. Okay. And I get that, you know, it's still individual developers and it's really the same case for this too. But those individual developers are more on the smaller scale and they can do this. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get a triple A title. They're just not going to do that submission. They're just, they can just go to Android. It doesn't, I don't know. This whole thing is weird to me. It just, it really doesn't make any sense. And I, I agree. I did see that they had the beta, you know, on test flight for Apple, but they even said themselves that this wasn't going to look the same if they were able to get an official release. So I just I'm surprised that it even was able to get onto test flight in the first place.
0: Yeah, well the thing with test flight, so let me tell you what happened there. Number 1, on Android, they were able to invite as many beta testers as they wanted to. On test flight, Apple allows you a maximum I believe of 50,000 testers. So that's mm-hmm. number 1, but number 2, Game Pass beta on Android had tons of games. Game Pass beta on iOS only had the Halo Master Chief collection simply because Apple only allows you to have one game in an app. So iOS beta testers only had access to that one game anyway. Let me read you one more thing. This is what Microsoft had to say. And they actually stayed quiet for a little bit, which was interesting. But then after the news started picking this up, they finally released a statement with one line in particular that I think hits pretty hard. So Our testing period for the Project xCloud preview for iOS has expired. Unfortunately, we do not have a path to bring our vision of cloud gaming with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate to gamers on iOS via the Apple App Store. Apple stands alone as the only general purpose platform to deny consumers from cloud gaming and game subscription services like Xbox Game Pass and it consistently treats gaming apps differently, applying more lenient rules to non-gaming apps, even when they include interactive content. All games available in the Xbox Game Pass catalog are rated for content by independent industry rating bodies, such as the ESRB and regional equivalents. We are committed to finding a path to bring cloud gaming with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate to the iOS platform. We believe that consumers should be at the heart of the gaming experience, and gamers tell us they want to play, connect and share anywhere, no matter where they are. We agree. So first of all, they're still saying they want a path forward for iOS. So they're not like saying screw Apple. Right. But they are saying Apple stands alone as the only platform to deny consumers from cloud gaming and game subscription services, which is true. Why? Why would you? Why, how can you make a decision like this and see it as a good thing?
1: I mean... That's the thing. That's why I keep saying I, my keywords are just, I I don't know. I don't know why they're doing this unless they have something in the works of their own that they're bringing. But I doubt it. Well, who would they be partnering with to do that? I mean, I just we would figure that out by now, I feel like.
0: Right. But even if even if they did, it's not like they deny Netflix and Amazon video, etc. Because they have Apple TV Plus like they have competing services on the app store for other areas of their business. Yeah. I just don't think this is about competition so much as they're like kind of being stubborn about an app has to do this thing in this way. And since cloud gaming doesn't do it in this way that we defined years ago, it can't be on the store.
1: You think it has anything to do with, you know, during the whole trial stuff that they had or the testimonies about the app store over the last week? Remember how with Prime Video they had that whole ordeal? And then- Oh, right, and then it got on
0: tr- special treatment.
1: Yeah, well, it got uncovered that they gave them special treatment. Do you think maybe now they're just kind of sticking to their guns because of this? It
0: could be, but I mean, in my personal opinion, I think this, this issue, you know, obviously we're talking video games here, right? Like it's video games, so it's not like some life or death situation. Sure. But this is part of the future, of games like we know this. So I don't think it's something where they're like we don't want to give preferential treatment to one company because obviously Google is still waiting for Stadia to be, you know, included as well. I think it's more they want these developers even though they're huge corporations to do things the old way. But you don't do things the old way like the whole part about streaming, right? You are traveling somewhere, you're sitting in your hotel room and you're like, you know what? Let me fire up my iPad and continue playing through, like you said earlier, Call of Duty Warzone. Right? If you're streaming, you open the app, you hit Call of Duty Warzone, and probably within five to 10 seconds, you're playing. If, on the other hand, you did it Apple's way, you're at a hotel with terrible Wi-Fi, you decide to open up the Game Pass app on your iPad and proceed to download an 80 gigabyte game.
1: Yeah, it's just
0: to like it just makes no sense. Like streaming is solving that. It's solving this problem by allowing you to access your library of games anywhere in addition to allowing you to access it without lengthy large downloads that's the whole point
1: yeah i feel like i can't offer anything on this because i just i (laughs) i'm so mind blown by it i just i don't know i don't know why they're doing this it doesn't make i mean like i get why they're doing it again because of the guidelines but why are they not fixing them because do they not want to give preferential treatment to the larger game titles and then they feel like they have to do it to? i guess it's tough because now that i'm thinking about it and thinking about it out loud like if they did this treatment they're going to have to do something with the smaller game developers and then there's a possibility for other games to be kind of leaked through the app store into the app store that might not warrant being on the app store because of you know maybe they violate rules or some sort of copyright or something i don't know i mean
0: i have to i understand what you're saying yeah because i have often thought about this same thing like going back to video there Mm -hmm. are things that are not allowed in an app that hbo will have in videos. There are things that you can't put in, let's just say a gaming app. You can't have a gaming app, let's say Game of Thrones, the game right. that shows as much nudity as Game of Thrones, the show, right. which is on the app store. Okay. You can download HBO max right now on the app store and watch a bunch of content that has nudity in it, mm-hmm. but you can't have that. Now let's say HBO made the app, so it's officially licensed. They cannot put a clip from game of thrones into their game that shows nudity even though it's they're both downloaded from the app store from the same store same device so there is inconsistency there even where apple says everything's consistent everything's the same for every developer not really
1: yeah it's a whole weird mess that i feel like (laughs) yes i feel like you're right this is the future and when it becomes the future they're going to be severely left behind because I've seen comments of people saying, like, I've been using Apple forever and now I'm thinking of switching because I'm a huge gamer. Yeah, And I mean, Which I don't know crazy. if they're going to lose that many people, but they might. I don't know.
0: Right. There's a general sentiment out there that's kind of growing. And I mean, I'm certainly not looking to leave the Apple ecosystem. However, when I saw this news, I was like, OK, maybe that Samsung Galaxy Tab plus that they just announced. Maybe I need that because if I want to play these games on the go, I can't do it on any of my iOS devices. So anyway, that's, that was the first topic. Obviously, I'm a little fired up about it. Let's move on to the next one. Keep Something less let's controversial. Go, go. <laughs> Maybe this is a little controversial, actually. Apple announced new iMac and iMac Pro yesterday. This is probably going to be the final iMac that runs an Intel processor, as we talked about, coming out of WWDC. Apple Silicon is going to be the new hotness. So this is kind of like the, the swan song for the Intel iMacs.
1: Yeah, this is a weird thing for me because, like, I've got friends who are constantly asking me, when are the new iMacs coming? When are the new iMacs coming? <laughs> and they finally came, and they are not happy because they wanted the redesign. They wanted the Apple Silicon, like, mm. I think most of them wanted the redesign. I think that's more eye catching because it's new, but this iMac is still pretty good. I mean, you're gonna get all the top yeah. specs. you're getting all the fresh Intel tenth generation processor like it's still a great machine. I just I don't understand you know, especially if they're planning on still releasing another one later this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. maybe they should have done both at the same time and figured out a way to incentivize people to pick up one because it's cheaper. Maybe the Intel stay a little bit cheaper than the Silicon. I, I don't know. But if we move that all to the side and just kind of look at the machine, like I said, it's it's a good update for sure. It's it's all the internals yeah. that you need. The most important thing is webcam quality, finally being with the 21st century and being 1080 at the very least. Right.
0: It's, it's now COVID era approved. Yeah.
1: So finally, it took a pandemic to get Apple to take webcam seriously. <laughs> so there's that.
0: Yeah. And the webcam, like you said, 1080p, but more impressively is it's using the T2 chip that's now mm-hmm. inside of the consumer level iMac to recognize your face, keep your face looking normal, despite the lighting around you or being backlit or whatever. So it's not just better resolution, but it's also just a better, what's the kind of photography we always talk about with Google?
1: Computational.
0: Yes. It's using computational photography. So it's not just better lenses, but it's also using the computer itself to make things look better. And as Apple likes to call it, studio quality microphones too.
1: Yeah, the studio mic arrays, which I did an entire video using when they did it on the MacBook. I did the whole voiceover on that machine. And I thought, was it? I thought it sounded good, but literally every single person commented nice. like, what's up with your mics? What's up with your mics? Well, I mean, I use a studio-grade, <laughs> an actual studio-grade microphone. Of course. You know, that, that cost me thousands of dollars at all times. So, right. obviously, there's going to be a huge drop. But when you're doing FaceTime calls, Zoom meetings, whatever, it's going to sound yep. great for the other person. That's a good move. Yes, that's nice. It's a good move.
0: The other thing that they've done, which – had me scratching my head is they've added the option to get the nano texture glass, which is cool. So for those who don't know, the nano texture glass is an option or was an option on the, what is this thing called in front of me? The Pro Display XDR. Yes, the Apple Pro Display XDR, the 32 inch display, $5,000. It's an extra $1,000 add on. And basically, they make these incredibly small micro etches into the display, which makes it basically pick up less glare. And so that was on their Pro Display, their most expensive display. And now they're making it an option on the 27 inch iMac, which is cool. So you can optionally pay extra to have that. But. Apple also did a smaller update to the iMac Pro and does not offer that option there. So they offer it on their Pro display Mm -hmm. and they offer it on their consumer display. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, the display that is more Pro than the consumer display does not have the option
1: for this. So the only thing they changed on the iMac was, what was it? It was the processor? The Pro. On the iMac Pro, right? That was the only bump that it got? Yeah,
0: what they did was they took the 10 core that's right. and made that the entry level.
1: That's right. That's right. So yeah, they they didn't really change anything. So my guess is this is still using old backlog of products that they still haven't sold. Oh yeah,
0: everything's still the same. Yeah, so
1: they're not manufacturing new ones. So I'm assuming they didn't want to offer that Nano, you know, because I'm thinking you can't just go into the store and buy one. So if you get that Nano texture, mm-hmm. you're going to have to order. They're going to custom make it. So they're going to add right. that in. I don't think they're just going to custom. Well, I guess if you're going to custom build an iMac Pro still. Yeah, you're right. It right. doesn't make it, it exactly. doesn't make any sense. It's just a piece of glass. And I think it's the <laughs> same
0: piece of glass that's on the iMac regular. So let me customize if I want.
1: It is. Yeah, you're right. It does not make any sense. <laughs> and I have not personally seen a nano textured display in person. Have you? Mm, I have. Okay. Do you like it? I did not like it. Okay. I was going to say I know like a couple it, but people I think it's who a, don't like it.
0: It's like a personal preference kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Like. I don't like
0: glare, so let me make sure I say this correctly. I don't like when my screen has glare on it, but I like when you have a display that's not matte, the colors are just like more punchy and more vibrant, Mm -hmm. and that is what I like about it. And when you have the other one, you do get a nice reduction in glare, but things are just a little bit more muted. Yeah, so… Not to say they are muted, but they're just they're just less of a pop to it.
1: They kind of are in a sense because you remember when they used to make displays, they had that little like film or maybe it was yes. a piece of plastic in between the glass and mm-hmm. the actual display itself. Well, then they yep. made these retina displays and they started making that. They, they were just removed that to make it seem as if the words that you're seeing and the colors and everything is just kind of laying flat on that glass right in front of you. Make it pop yes. more. Well, if you're putting another layer of... If you're etching through that, you're basically adding – imagine like adding a matte screen protector on your phone. Like it just just kind of reduces the quality a little bit, but you're not going to have a glare. Like in my office right now, I have a Pro Display XDR right across – didn't think about this when I set this up – from Windows, (laughs) so I have glare. But now I have curtains. I can shut it. It's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. But – That would be something that's kind of nice if you're in a building where there's tons of those fluorescent bulbs hanging and they're constantly reflecting off of your super bright monitor. Staring at that for eight hours a day, you might not care about getting that extra quality or that extra look and just go for the non-reflective display. Now yeah, I'm assuming yeah, it's five hundred dollars because it's smaller, right? They're only doing twenty seven inches over thirty. Oh, it's only five hundred bucks. Yeah, because it's a thousand for Pro Display. Uh, so at first okay, I right. was like, I thought it was a thousand there too. Yeah, so at first I was like, that's kind of annoying. Like, why? But my guess is it's because it's a larger footprint. Yeah, I don't know.
0: That has to be it. So yeah, that's the iMac. One more Apple related story before we take the break. Let's talk about the macOS and iOS betas. I put out a couple of videos over the past two days taking a look at the new macOS Big Sur public beta, one of which talking about the top features that Apple announced at WWDC, and another that showed the features that Apple didn't have time to get into that I think are the best. But I wanted to bring up this topic specifically for you as the man representing Mac Rumors here (laughs) this week. You've been using the iOS beta on your main device. Yes, like a crazy person. You confirmed that to me which is crazy. I had it on secondary devices. So I had it on a iPhone 11 Pro and my main device would be an iPhone 11 Pro Max. I did just install it on my Pro Max yesterday once I felt things things were feeling pretty good like very minimal uh, interruption. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Let me know. Have you gone to beta 4?
0: Yes, I'm on beta 4 right uh, now. So the latest well, one. Well, then
1: you must be having better luck than What's happening? Uh, uh- I don't know how to say this. We're not allowed to, I mean, we're not technically, legally, I don't think, allowed to comment, like, review, right? I I don't know.
0: Well, we're not reviewing, but... I'm not um, reviewing, but I'm giving an opinion. That rule has gone away a long time ago. That 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 rule? rule Okay, that rule's gone?
1: All right, good. All right, good. No, it's it's just, you know, it's fine. It's a beta. It's going to have bugs. But the first three, or at least the first, the very first beta, developer beta, was so good. It was almost flawless Mm -hmm. that... Every installment after that has gotten worse. And this one is by. F- oh, really? Yes. In my opinion, it's gotten worse. I know everybody's experience could be different. There's just a lot yes, of, of weird course. bugs that affect like day to day things that you wouldn't expect there to be an issue. Like in iOS 14 beta 4 right now, the current one, if I open up, I don't really know what, what specific applications it's in. But if I uh, respond to a message that comes in, I do the, the long press on it and I want to, you know, on the notification, I want to respond back quickly. Yes, the keyboard doesn't show up just in random situations. The keyboard doesn't show up. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, why? Why is this happening? A thing that's been happening to me throughout all of the betas uh, long term bug has been not being able to copy and paste things on the first try. Like if I use the share oh. sheet and I hit copy and then I go to paste yep. it, it just does not happen. Paste is not an option. And I have to go back and do it sometimes two or three times like those little things are really frustrating.
0: Yeah. so I mean, those are beta issues, though. Like, exactly. That you you have to expect. Exactly.
1: Which is why they say don't put it on your main.
0: Right. Public beta is available. So anyone listening right now who wants to try it, you can just search for iOS 14 public beta. It'll take you right to the Apple page for it. You put in your Apple ID and you'll have access. The other thing is the Mac OS Big Sur public beta. <laughs> is now available too. now this one you said you did not put no. on your main machine no. and you also said you would not do that until did you say until it was a uh, public or until like the point one version came out
1: uh so
0: what's your strategy
1: usually i try to wait like as long as i can okay i don't know why it's an apple application but final cut pro usually is just not good With whatever the new version is, there's always some crucial flaw in whatever it is, (laughs) like in whatever the new update is that severely hinders any kind of productivity in terms of working on a video. Like I'll have random crashes during (laughs) like, you know, opening the blade tool. And it's like, well, I need that tool. I need to use it the (laughs) entire time. And if I can't use that, what's the point? So I usually want to give it a bit until Apple at least gives an update, but they update that app so sparingly that I don't know. Right. And, and this is such a big update that I really do want to try it on my main machine. Like I've I've only used it for videos, which we've only done two videos on. So mm. I really can't comment on it because I have not really used it a whole lot. I've only tested it for.
0: So you have it on like a laptop, I assume. I have it
1: on, an, on a 2018 MacBook Air and it does not work very well on that. And again, it's, it's bugs. It's beta. It's what happens there was a huge amount of input lag. Like I'd, I'd notice at least a solid second and a half of me typing and nothing popping up on screen. Mm. And a reset would fix that, but occasionally it would just keep coming back. But I think for the general population of people who want to try Mac OS Big Sur, when the official release comes out, you'll be fine. Yes. But just expect some applications to not work sometimes because that's just what happens.
0: I agree. And we do know that some point this year. Maybe it's not going to be alongside the release of Big Sur, but there is a big Final Cut update coming in order to support Apple Silicon, which we got our preview of at WWDC. Mm -hmm. So I am looking forward to that, just seeing what newness are we going to be getting in Final Cut. But aside from the problems in public betas, yes, and this is probably an answer you can probably give better for iOS than for Big Sur, how do you feel about it in general? How do you feel about iOS 14 in general, the feature sets, et cetera?
1: I really like it. I mean, it's, you know, the joke of like, oh, well, they're just adding in Android stuff that Android's had for years. <laughs> yeah, but they do it in a way, and this sounds so like Apple snobby of me, and I'm sure that's what people would, you know, it, but they just do it better sometimes. Right now, the widgets are not better to me personally, mostly because you can't use any third party. It'll become way more useful When you can use a third party application like the Tesla app, you know, I want to be able to have that on the screen or Hue and LifeX, any of those things that could make your life easier. I never used them on today widget for some reason because I just didn't enjoy the extra like swipe over and scroll down to find them. I think it's far more useful for them to be on my home screen. I'd personally like to see them on my lock screen, but I don't know if Mm. I don't know if we'll get there. How many years has it taken to have widgets? Might be another. Well, I mean, ten. It might. Wait, I was wait, gonna say, it might be another fifteen years until we get them on our lock <laughs> screen. But I know it's a good update. I love all of the changes. Just some things, you know. Again, without third-party developers updating yet, it's just not as useful. I would like that widgets and things to be truly customizable on the home screen. Like I don't want Apple to dictate where I put my stuff. But mm. we're still in that.
0: It's still in the grid.
1: We're still there. I just don't understand it. But. I got to give them credit. It's better than nothing. The Smart Stack widget is great. I remember you gave me the recommendation to use the apps. The Siri yeah, app. Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, how have you been liking that one?
1: It's cool. It doesn't even look like, I mean, it's like slightly grayed out all of the text, which is kind of weird, but it doesn't even look like I'm looking at it now. You can't tell that this isn't a widget. Like you just can't tell. Right. They make it seem like it's a two rows of apps and they right. constantly change throughout the day. I have not noticed now it's only been a few days since I've ch- I've used it and I haven't noticed apps that were there at a specific time that I normally use it but I have noticed that when I wanted to use a specific app it has been there. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the point. I think the point yeah. is more to be less It's just you open, you just go to your home screen and just what you're hoping is there just happens to be there. Yeah. So it's not like actively doing all sorts of stuff. That is noticeable. It's just, oh, that's that's what I was going to do anyway. And there it is. Yeah, it's
1: a lot of the most recent. And I think some things will adapt. I don't know if developers need to do anything on their end, but like maybe the Hue app at night might be kind of nice that it pops up at front. Mm. Like when you're going to bed, you want to turn off the lights. That's one way to do it.
0: I think that's exactly the point. One thing with widgets, as you were talking, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of the functionality that I think you were talking about actually will not be available. So like right now, for example, Tesla widget on the Today View screen has controls in it. Yeah. Or the Hue app will have controls in the widget itself that you can tap on to do something. And in the new version of widgets, you have to tap on the widget, which will then open the app. And then you can do.
1: No, what? How do. did I miss yes. that? What? How, why? Yeah.
0: So widgets cannot be <sighs> interactive anymore. And that's because since they're on the home screen, they'll be using more battery oh. if they had interactive elements. <sighs> One thing about Apple that you have to give them credit for is they try to be very strict with how they use your battery up. Yeah. And so when you swipe over to the today view in current iOS 13, the widgets kind of load quickly and then they're ready to be used. And in iOS 14... They're just always there. So they're always like present. And those interactive elements would then make them more battery hungry. So for example, if there was a Hue app widget on your home screen in iOS 14, and let's just say you tapped on living room, rather than turning off the lights in your living room, it would open the Hue app directly into the living room area. So rather than opening it from the home screen.
1: I guess that's better than just having to tap on the app, but that's only what it feels like you're one step above just clicking on yes. the actual app icon. I guess that's better yes. because with that app, you can see some more information on that widget, but right. I don't know. Let me decide whether or not I want my battery to be wasted. You know, that's kind of what Here's I want. Here's a
0: cheat code. Are you ready for this? Yes. One of our previous guests from a couple of weeks ago, Matt Casanelli. do you know him?
1: I know that name sounds familiar.
0: Okay. Matt Casanelli used to work on workflows, which became shortcuts
1: okay, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. And here's what he did, which I thought was genius. So all the widgets that are available, you can actually stack them on top of each other. Mm -hmm. So there's the smart stacks, but you can also stack your own. Right. What he does is if he has a widget, he will stack the shortcuts for that widget behind it. So then you have what becomes an interactive widget. So let's say you had, let's go back to the Hue. You had a hue widget, which is not interactive, but if you swipe on the widget to reveal the hue shortcuts below it, then everything becomes a one tap because then you just run the shortcut to turn off living room lights. Mm. then you don't have to go open the app.
1: that's actually pretty smart.
0: <laughs> so every widget that he has, he has the shortcuts for that widget in a shortcuts widget underneath it in a stack,
1: yeah, I mean. I- I get it. I get it. It's one of the. It's just like it's a workaround. Yeah, it's this. I feel like this whole theme of the episode with Apple is like I get it, but it's frustrating. (laughs) Like, right? Like, I get why they're doing it, except for the XCloud thing. I don't get that, but I mean, I get why they're doing it, but it's frustrating. I want to be able to decide whether I want my battery to be eaten alive by a constant widget going on. Right. I don't want you to make that decision for me.
0: I got you. I got you. All right. That was the Apple portion of the show. After the break, we're talking about two smartphones that have been released this week. We've got the Galaxy Note 20 and the Pixel 4a. We'll be talking about both of those coming up here on Geared Up. Welcome back to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards, and it is now time for the National Car Rental Story of the week as you know geared up is sponsored by national car rental and if you don't know i also do a show with national car rental on youtube called technically speaking where i bring you the latest my picks for the best tech for business travel whether you're business traveling or even whether you're going for leisure travel there's a lot of tech out there that can make your travel more efficient or even more fun you can check these episodes out at the nationalcar.com control center or go to youtube.com slash nationalcarrent. The latest tech puts you in the driver's seat. National Car Rentals Emerald Club will keep you there. Once again, big thank you to National Car Rental for sponsoring Geared Up. Now let's jump into the National Car Rental story of the week. One of the major flagship releases of the year, every year around this time, is the Samsung Galaxy Note. Here in the COVID era, there was no traveling to Brooklyn or LA, wherever it would have been, or San Francisco. Which is so um, sad. No meeting up with our friends. I know.
1: And instead,
0: there was what I believed to be one of the most boring <laughs> COVID-era oh, wow. tech keynotes. Wow, of any company. I mean, Apple. So everything that we condemned Apple for in the first half of the show. It's a total 180 when you look at what they did for WWDC. They had an amazingly well done production. Yep. And they didn't just do the same thing that they would have normally done just with no audience. Instead, they said, okay, we're not going to have an audience. We're not going to do this all on stage from the Steve Jobs Theater. Let's change it up to make it you know, more entertaining. Even if some parts are corny, it's entertaining rather than just, talking to an empty room and samsung took the stage talked to an empty room with what looked like samsung fans in the background watching on zoom
1: <laughs> yeah they did the uh what the nba does with the microsoft teams like fans in the back yes cj yes. Yeah, they just did that
0: and then they would insert fake clapping noise yeah. whenever they made a point
1: yeah, they try to treat it like a live event in a time where you shouldn't do that. Yeah. It's just, yeah. uh, it took them a day. It took Apple uh, weeks to do theirs.
0: What do you mean it took them a day?
1: I'm just saying like- Oh, from to like, like record a, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like what Samsung did is they did theirs in a day and Sa- and Apple spent weeks making theirs, going to different right. locations and and you can tell which one's more interesting. Now, I don't think it's necessary- I don't think Samsung's was boring. I think that's more of a point of the products. I hate to drop a bomb there, but I think the products were – I don't know. What about the Note 20 is like must-have besides the S Pen, which is what you're going to get anyways. I was going to say the S Pen to to me is not must-have. No. So the
0: thing for me – let me break the fourth wall for a lot of listeners and uh, if you watch YouTube videos of people like us. What I found – is that for me and for the majority of people, the only time they use their S Pen is when they're making their YouTube video. <laughs> they're showing, here's the new feature of the S Pen. And yep. once they're done shooting their video, they put the S Pen into the bottom of the phone, never to be taken out again. Unless you're Thunder E, and Abang Ete <laughs> from the Board at Work channel, who loves his S Pen, most people aren't using it.
1: I still need to talk to him and see exactly what he's doing on a date. Like, what? you can't use it all day, every day. You just can't. What are you using it for? I feel I like don't it's a know. hassle.
0: He just uses it just to use it, just to say he uses
1: it. Here's the thing. I love the Apple Pencil and I never use it. Oh, Does that
0: make any sense? That makes no sense because I use my Apple Pencil all the time, especially what in do iOS 14. What you use it for? Well, in iOS and it's 14. It's more useful in
1: iOS 14, yes. But I mean, let's we'll just go back before that. What did you use it for?
0: So before iOS 14, my main use of my Apple Pencil would be when I want to be precise when I'm editing a thumbnail
1: Mm -hmm.
0: where like my finger, like I'm trying to like either blur or unblur where it messed up the portrait mode area. And I need to be precise. The pencil, fantastic versus using your finger. And in a couple of games but i guess that's it in ios 13 iOS 14 though a lot more utility
1: sure and i'm not gonna say any of these comments are all pre ios 14 it doesn't exist yet in the public eye not everyone can get it super Mm -hmm. easily so we're just gonna pretend like that's not a thing right now i never use my apple pencil i try i actively try to i try to make like what about signing contracts Uh, just, I oh, it's so much easier for me to just open it up on my Mac and hit the one button where my signature is already preloaded on preview. All right, all right. I mean, there's just little tips that I've already set up that I, it would make me, unless I'm again, unless I am on the go and I have my Apple pencil with me and I need to sign some things. Yes, that makes sense. But again, I can use my finger. My signature is nothing special with my finger or with an Apple pencil. It looks the same. <laughs> So it doesn't (laughs) matter, but I love the Apple pencil and I want to use it more, but I am not the person in which I need to use it. I can't draw. I don't edit thumbnails. I don't do a lot of editing right now with it to where I would, you know, now that the mouse or the uh, trackpad is there, it eliminates the need for me to use it except for handwriting notes, which just doesn't happen all that often right now. So switching back to the note 20. Yes. What am I going to use it for? I'm not going to write notes on that. Like, I just feel like my brain's going to immediately go to, well, if I want to take this note down, someone's giving me their number, I'm just going to text it to myself or open up the notes app and just type it in.
0: Right. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I do find it weird to, if I have a keyboard on my device, that's faster than like handwriting something. Yeah. So why would I handwrite it?
1: I mean, I guess if we can train our brains to... Because it is faster, I feel like. If this is a thing, I don't, I don't even know because I don't even use the, the S Pen that much anymore that I don't even remember the features. I know you can pop it open and immediately write a note. I know that that's a thing, yes. off-screen note-taking. If I wrote first name, last name, phone number, and I hit save, is there a way to get that to automatically save in my contacts in that correct way? I don't think there is, right?
0: Not that I know of.
1: Yeah, that needs to be a thing. That's where it's useful. I write down an email address, that email address should go. Well, I don't know. There's not like a library of your email. I don't know. Maybe it's get it gets saved somewhere to where oh. I, I will access it. But see, and then it's an ecosystem thing. I'm not gonna look at those notes later on my computer because I don't use a Samsung laptop. And so it's just, I know it's useful for a lot of people out there. And whoever's listening to this is probably going nuts thinking of all the <laughs> ways that they use theirs. And it's just to me, it's not useful. So the note 20, it's a sexy looking phone, it's nice. It's got all the bells and whistles that I probably won't use, and it's well. Hold on, let's let's, let's make sure
0: we're being clear here. The Note 20 does not have all the bells and whistles. Okay, well, the that, Note 20 Ultra <laughs> has the bells and whistles. <laughs> yeah, and the Note 20 yeah, so, is plastic, sixty yeah. hertz display, not as good camera.
1: Yeah, so you beat me to it. I was going to get to that.
0: Yeah, let's just get to it right now. The Note 20 Ultra is what I believe the Note two years ago would have been just the regular Note when there was one Note. Last year, Samsung introduced a smaller Note. So now there's two sizes. There's a smaller one and a larger one. And the smaller one, what Samsung said before was, we're making a smaller one because there's other people out there who want something that's more approachable. And for me, that was like, well, you know what? The Note is a large phone. And let's just take women, for example, who have smaller hands generally. The Note would be a more uncomfortable device to use. So let's make a smaller one, just like Apple makes two sizes of Apple Watch, depending on, you know, your body type and what you're more comfortable with. But unlike Apple, who makes the iPhone 11 Pro, iPhone 11 Pro Max, they are the exact same. They are the exact same display technology, the exact same cameras, the exact same everything with the exception of size and battery capacity, which is due to the size. Right. What Samsung has done is they have two notes where one is a lot worse than the other.
1: Yeah. So I have saw a couple of people comment about this, too, that the Note 20, the regular Note 20, it's 60 hertz. So it's just Mm -hmm. like every other smartphone that hasn't jumped aboard, you know, like Apple in terms of the 120 refresh rate. So I'm just going to compare this to the Pro Max right now because that's what people are doing. They're comparing it to that. It's not a QHD display. Apple doesn't have a QHD display. So the plastic thing boggles my mind. No one should ever buy a (laughs) $1,000 plastic phone. Yeah. But they did that anyways. So, you know, it's edge to edge. I mean, there's just some of the features that they're saying like, well, Apple, their Pro Max, their most expensive phone doesn't have this. So we're not going to include Mm -hmm. that. And then we will include those other things that you wanted, but it's $1,300, 1400 right? Or thir- yes. 13. dollars yeah. 13. I don't understand. Who would buy that? I mean, most people don't buy their phones outright anymore. They all subsidize. So the difference right. between the Note 20 and the Note 20 Ultra is probably $10 a month, maybe. Yeah, makes sense. So, I mean, I don't know. Me personally, I would probably be like, yeah, I'll just go with the extra 10 and and get it. But for those of you who are like, ah, I don't need any of that stuff. I'll settle with this don't do that. Buy a one plus eight pro or an LG velvet for five. I mean, for you don't need that like,
0: or even the S 20.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't understand. You can get an S 20 ultra, which is the same phone. In my opinion, maybe some things right. are changed Pretty here, and there, but it's this, it's the same phone minus the S pen. And if you're like me and not using the S pen, then you just get the S 20 and save right. four or $500. It just doesn't make any sense.
0: You get the same features.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know a couple of things that are different that might not be the end of the world for you and uh, i don't know yes. i don't I, underwhelmed. I, i'm not exci- yeah i'm very underwhelmed, underwhelmed
0: by the I'm note not- 20 series what i was not underwhelmed by was the galaxy z i'm underwhelmed by the name the galaxy z fold 2 5g that is the name galaxy z fold 2 5G.
1: they changed the name too right it was never the z fold
0: i'm sorry Yes. No, it was just the Fold. It was the Galaxy Fold. Now it's the Galaxy Z Fold 2 5G. Sure. sure. (laughs) Name aside, what did you feel about that phone when you saw it?
1: Yeah. Now that is a phone that I will instantly just take my money, Samsung. I want it now. I really loved using the regular Galaxy Fold, Mm -hmm. but I kind of chickened out and I didn't trust it.
0: I can see why. It felt very fragile.
1: Yeah. I returned it. I'll just be honest with everybody. I, I bought it. I want it with the intentions of keeping it mm-hmm. because I thought it was cool and I loved it. But the more and more I saw people's phones starting to break, I'm like, yeah, I'm not spending $2,000, you know, they're not sending it to me. So I'm not spending $2,000 and my phone's going to die and like, right. it's just not worth it. Right, I agree. Now I've used the Z Flip. I did not like the Z Flip in terms of, it wasn't the right folding phone for me. The form factor. I like yeah. the style. Yeah, I like it going from a regular phone to a tablet. That's much more appealing to me. More
0: utility there.
1: But I know a lot of people that love their Z Flip and people beat it up and they treat it like a normal phone and it's still completely fine. So that makes me much more intrigued because they use the same hinges, I believe, or the same hinge on the Fold, on the Z Fold 2 that they did with the Z Flip. A couple of things to adjust to the size was changed, obviously. And they added some extra... Protection for the display, right? With the yep. glass. Yep. Instead of plastic, it's actual glass or some sort of glass plastic. All for thin glass. It, yeah, yeah, something like that. So if it's anything like the Z Flip in terms of durability, it's going to be fine for the most part, assuming that you're not being overly careless. You know, don't yep. take a knife to it, but it'll be fine. So with that said, uh, whew, that front display and was the, the external only, display. Yeah, that external, external display, display was now. the one thing I absolutely hated about the the Galaxy Fold and now it's a normal phone it's like two phones in one a phone and a tablet for real this time yeah so i'm super excited to check it out
0: yes for me it's rare that i buy an android device number one because companies will send them over for review and if they didn't i likely wouldn't buy them Mm -hmm. but this one and there are obviously exceptions like anytime there's a new pixel i would buy it up until the pixel 4 i probably wouldn't have bought that one But anytime there was a new Pixel, I felt like I need to. I still want to be in the Android world and familiar with it. If Google releases their own phone, that seems to be the best way to do it. So I'd always buy a Pixel whenever they were released. This in particular, they did not announce pricing. I'm assuming it'll be similar, roughly two thousand dollars. Yeah. And I'm hoping that if it does change, the pricing goes down and not up. But this will definitely be an Android device that I will be picking up. And last year, I did not say that about the original.
1: Interesting. So you didn't try the one last year, did you? Or you, you got a review unit, right? I tried it.
0: I got a review unit, which Samsung sent me and I believe I had it. It was either for two or four weeks. I forget which. Sure. And after using it and reviewing it, I was just like, this is too. Every time I use it, I felt like I was holding a baby. Yeah. like I was an inexperienced uncle holding someone else's <laughs> baby. Like, I just don't, I don't want to drop this. I don't sure. want to break this. Is is like, what's going to happen? Okay. So that was just, you know, I don't want to have a piece of technology where I feel that way all the time about it. And so it looks like this takes care of that along with a bunch of other things. So Galaxy Z, damn it. The Galaxy Z Fold 2, two so, 5G.
1: So wait, I have a question before you end that. Yeah. Given what you know about the new one and your experience with the old one, right? do you think this is a phone you could leave Apple for?
0: No, no, not at all. Why not? And the reason why is, you know, I think a lot of people, I think there's like two camps for when you're making a decision like that. There are some people who, when they get a phone, they'll download Facebook and they'll download Twitter, maybe YouTube, Netflix, things like that, Yep. which do not lock you in. Okay. So this year you might buy an iPhone and next year you're impressed by what Android's doing or Samsung or whatever. You're like, okay, I'm going to switch because I can, all your apps are there. You can just buy the new phone, download Facebook. You're good. For me, it's not about the hardware. It hasn't been about the hardware for over 10 years. It's about the software. I'm someone, I'm one of the more rare people who I don't only use free apps. I use apps that I've paid for. I use apps that I subscribe to. I use apps that I've paid a lot of money so that I don't have to subscribe to them. The other day, I bought a, an image editing app for $15. Like, If I were to switch my primary device, all of these apps that I've purchased go away. It's not like I can go to Android and say, hey, I bought this on iOS, so let me let me download. So that's more what locks me in. But let's just say, if it was possible to free, if apps were like Kindle books, where you can, if you've paid for it on one device, you can use it on any other device, then I likely would be inclined to, and I haven't used it yet, so this is with that asterisk, based on what I saw and what I expect out of the device, I probably would be inclined to, at the very least, make an attempt to make it my primary device. Because having something that is both a smartphone and a tablet form factor, and by the way supports xbox game pass <laughs> would be something cool to have in your pocket especially when you're on the go now we haven't been on the go for half of a year so right it doesn't matter as much
1: yeah i feel like the fact that i don't travel anywhere besides my office and my house kind of puts a damper on my overall excitement on using this phone because it yeah. is the perfect like hey, I'm on the plane and maybe I don't need to bring my iPad with me because this screen is gigantic and it's more than enough for this one hour flight. Like I don't need to bring it with me. Yeah. But I don't know. I think there's been multiple phones over the last few years that I'm like, yeah, I would totally leave this in the heartbeat. I just can't leave iMessage because of friends that I chat with. Absolutely. You know, that's just it's unfortunate, but that's where I'm at.
0: It's our group chat basically that's holding you in.
1: <laughs> it's our group chat. Yeah, like I can't I can't not <laughs> be called nervous Dan for a day. 15 so, times
0: a day. Yes. So
1: that would be that would be devastating. You know, I can't leave that AirDrop, you know, there's workarounds. It's frustrating, but I don't think that would be like if that was the only thing, or the only service that I would miss out on, I I think I'd be fine. But I say it all the time and I don't try it, but I'm like, oh, if I put my main SIM in here and turn off iMessage and just kind of deal with it and see how it goes, Mm -hmm. make the other people deal with it, have MMS. You guys see the green (laughs) bubbles like maybe I would be able to keep this phone long term and and use it daily as my main phone. But I don't know if I'm going to do it with this one. I want to. I want to try it. I want to give it my attention. But then the iPhone 12 is going to come out and I'm going to move that. You know, it's just my job.
0: Yeah. That's us. That's that's what we do for work. So it's different.
1: For those of you who want a folding device, though, keep your eye out on this one because it looks to be like. a Google.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. This looks like the one to get if you want to spend that much money, a couple thousand bucks <laughs> yeah, well that, on a right. phone. Let's move on to the last topic. Another phone that was released this week. Actually, it's not released, but we got them. Yeah. Our review units this week. It is the Google Pixel 4a. So the cheaper version of the Pixel 4 which by the way, alongside this, they announced that they are no longer making or selling the Pixel 4, just the regular Pixel 4. So the 4a is not yet available to purchase. The Pixel 4 is done. It's gone. Nine months after release, Google has stopped making and selling the Pixel 4. That should show you just how poorly this phone was selling. If the phone was selling well, they would not have canceled it. And every other Pixel prior to it, the 1, 2, and 3, actually sold for 18 months. So they kept it in the lineup for six months after the release of the next Pixel. But here with the 4, it's gone. So first of all, what do you think of them doing that with the 4? And then how are you feeling about the 4A?
1: Okay, so I have some like wild conspiracy. Like I'm not a conspiracy theory person, but... I have some (laughs) wild conspiracy theories about Android phone sales. And one story that I've heard is people at Best Buy, when you go to talk to them and you're just kind of going in saying, I want an Android phone or I just want a phone. uh, Most of the time, if you're, you know, they're going to recommend an iPhone. But if you're saying I want, I don't want an iPhone, I want a new Android phone. I've heard people say that they always point you to Samsung, always. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's just because the people that work there just know more about it. And the flashy features they think they can just sell people on. But I just feel like that's not the right way to go. Because I firmly believe that whenever Google releases like a Pixel, it is the Android equivalent to an iPhone. And Mm -hmm. it's what I would be using most of the time if I was using Android devices. Like it's just the way the software is supposed to be. It's clean. There's no extra frills that you don't need. There's no bloat. There's nothing. There's just... A really good camera, solid software, and good performance for the most part. So I feel like their sales are not indicative, in my opinion, of how the phone is, unfortunately. Maybe they do need those flashy features. I don't know. I don't know how the general population buys phones anymore. (laughs) I feel like if I was working at Best Buy, I would tell people, well, if you want a phone that's just going to work properly... And get updates, the main reason, if you want to get the new version of Android and you want security updates, this is the phone to get. Because I can guarantee you for at least three years, you're going to get those updates in a timely manner. And you can't make that guarantee. It's getting a little better, but you still can't make that guarantee that you're going to get those updates. Now, with that said, the Pixel 4a is a good phone. I mean, you can't beat $350 with an extremely good camera for that price. I did a comparison mm-hmm. video on Mac Rumors. I don't know. I'm sure I got some comments that still say I'm Apple biased, but I made <laughs> it as fair as I could because I genuinely think that if you are brand agnostic, you should go with the phone that's cheaper and better, and that's the Pixel 4a. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there are some things that it's not as good. You know, build quality being one of them, it is completely plastic. So, you know, there's some benefits there. If you drop it, you're not going to shatter it like you would with the iPhone SE. That is basically all glass. But it's not as premium feeling, and you can kind of tell. It, just, it does feel cheap. But I think the camera's better than a lot of phones out there. And for $350, it's just really hard to beat. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Those are my thoughts. I don't know if you feel the same way or not.
0: To be honest, to be one, 100, keeping it 100 right
1: now. Yes, that's what you need to do. I've been so
0: busy. You know I've recently moved. Yeah. Actually, I, I keep saying I recently moved. I think I moved like a month ago now. It's still but I'm still <laughs> buried in so much boxes and everything that now dan and i are on video i still have these phones the oh pixel no. 4a and the note 20 ultra 5g i haven't even opened them yet they're just here yeah everybody that gets these sent something they, they rip them open immediately they go on twitter hey look what just came in i'm holding it and i'm still here with them just boxed up so i haven't been able to actually use the pixel 4a yet but The point you were making, I think is valid. I think the counterpoint is, so what do you value? Pixel 4a gives you value in dollar. So it's the cheapest and it gives you updates for a few years and it gives you a really good camera, which I think, you know, this is just my opinion, but I think the camera being that good is better for the people who don't care about pictures than for the people who do. And what I mean by that is If you're into mobile smartphone photography, if you're someone like me or Dan or a lot of the people who you watch on YouTube, you can take any flagship phone and take a great picture with it because you will take the time. Okay, let me open a camera app. Let me tap here. Let me slide here. You can make a fantastic looking photo with any phone. But the average person, if you're just walking around New York City back before COVID and you just watch people take pictures they hit the shutter button and they're moving the phone away before it finishes taking the picture and they're they're not tapping to focus and all that. So Google is doing a lot of this work for you. So I think they are the better option for the people who just want to, I just want to take my phone out, take a photo with my family or my friends and put my phone away and not worry about where do I tap? How do I focus? What's the exposure? That's what it's all about there. But on the flip side, the iPhone SE gives you value in a different way by giving you, in my opinion, Obviously, it's better build quality, but like you said, it's also easier to destroy if you drop it. Well, sure. maybe because the plastic might break too. Yeah. But you're getting, instead of three years of updates, you're going to be getting five to six years of updates. So if you sure. pay $50 more, your phone will be supported for almost twice as long by Apple, and you're still getting something that's decent. Like it's not the best at anything. But it is very decent at everything, whereas the Pixel 4a is just as good, likely, as what the Pixel 4 was. So you're potentially getting, in many people's opinion, what may be the best camera out there on a smartphone.
1: Yeah, and like you said, that only applies because of how good, you know, we mentioned this before, computational photography. Google is really, really good at it. Apple was not so good at it, and they've gotten a lot better at it, Mm -hmm. but it's not offered – you know, that kind of stuff's not offered in their lower end devices. It's just no. not something that it can it can do. But Google's really good at image processing. And I don't know if anybody's ever noticed this before, but when you take a picture, it looks like garbage through the viewfinder until <laughs> yes. you open it up and it that little ring finishes processing. And then all of a sudden your garbage picture or your mediocre picture looks fantastic. Right. The clarity, it's sharp, it's great. But like you said, if you're not taking the time to, to frame and do all the other things that you need to do, adjust exposure, not even that, but just like have good content to take a picture of. Mm -hmm. I can take any phone, like you said, and if I've got a good subject and it's going to naturally take care of that image on its own. And if I do the right things, the rule of thirds, all of that stuff to make a better picture in general, it's the perfect phone for those who are, I just want to point, shoot. It's a point-and-shoot camera. That's what it is. It's a good phone for you if you want a point-and-shoot camera and you have an iPhone already. If you got an extra 350 bucks and you want to carry that around with you, instead of a cheap $250, $300 point-and-shoot camera, you can basically make that a point-and-shoot. And, oh, by the way, it's also a smartphone. So, yeah. I feel like that's much more valuable than buying, like, whatever those cheap Canon Pixelmates. Whatever, what are those things called? those cheap point and shoots? <laughs> I don't
0: remember. I know what you're like, talking I feel about. Like that's, cyber shot.
1: Yeah. The cyber shot. If you want to take a video with your pixel, don't do that. Don't that's do terrible. that.
0: Don't open the video camera that's on the t- pixel, please.
1: Don't just don't, don't take, don't take videos. It's not we that great. We both
0: appreciate that. Dan Barbera. Thank you so much for joining me this week on geared up sitting in for John Rettinger. Let people know where they can find you and your content.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, uh, as Andrew mentioned a couple of times, Mac Rumors. I uh, do the whole YouTube channel. So, any video you see, there's there's me. So, that's uh, youtube.com slash Mac Rumors. I also have my own personal YouTube channel. If you want, most of the time, I don't really do Apple stuff. So, if you want non Apple stuff, you know, I'll do a Pixel 4a review there. Definitely some Note 20 Ultra stuff going there. That's youtube.com slash Dan Barbera one because I can't get the guy who owns Dan <laughs> Barbera to give it to me. And, uh, same thing for Twitter. Dan Barbera one. Oh no no no. Dan Barbera on Twitter. Dan Barbera one on Instagram. Just search for my name. You'll see me. You
0: don't even know your own. I tried to give you the opportunity to plug yourself. You don't even it's know your changed, own. It's changed,
1: man. It's changed. Man. It's, it's terrible. changed.
0: Terrible, Dan. I'm
1: trying to get the Dan Barbera Instagram, but that guy just won't answer me either.
0: And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com/slash/gearlive and John is at youtube.com slash John4Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already. Just search Geared Up, that's two words, not one, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at GearLive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.